we are taking a deep dive into the conditions of engaging architects for their services. And as promised in episode 12, um, I said I'll go into details of how architects charge for their services. But first, um, using that this forms the first step in getting there, understanding the conditions. And then, so engaging an architect, you know, involves a lot of responsibilities that needs to be known and understood before hiring one. Uh, without that, there's actually no point in engaging one anyway. And you'll probably be screaming your heads off when conditions have not been laid out or even met. Now, knowing these conditions would help in the smooth transition between each phase of the design process. And it would definitely, you know, put you at ease as to what to expect when working with an architect. This is the paradigm shift to bring a change to the thinking of architecture. I am Zimu. This is Architectural Revolution. Before we begin, let's start with the meaning and definition of some terms that have been stated by the GI, and then we move on to the architect's responsibility and the client's responsibility, that is your responsibility. Now, the architect is seen as the individual partnership, corporate practice, or consortium that has been engaged to provide services as herein after described and agreed with the client. Then the client is the individual or organization that directly engages and, you know, pays the architects. Secondary consultants, on the other hand, they include geotechnical, civil, structural, mechanical, electrical, or fire service engineers, quantity surveyors, land surveyors, planners, land economists, landscape designers, and other consultants who may be engaged to assist the architect by contributing specialist skills to a project. Depending on the project, there are many skills that would be needed and an architect cannot do all. So he needs the help, he or she needs the help of various consultants to be able to do the work in an excellent manner and achieve the desired results. So we'll go on to the architect's responsibility and authority. Under that we have architect services. Uh, members of the GIA, Ghana City of Architects, they or we are normally governed by bylaws and a prof professional code of conduct um, of which the institute has given and governs all the relationships with the public and then other professional colleagues. Uh, the, the architect's work normally involves advising the clients, studying their needs, preparation, direction, and a bit of coordination of design and supervision of work executed under a building contract. Then we have the client who authorizes the architect to act on their behalf as the client's agent regarding matters that are outlined in the contracts for any given project. Now between the architect and then the client uh, in an agreement, you know, the architect can or shall employ secondary consultants, allied consultants, and 
their work shall be directed and coordinated by the architects. That is how it is. And so those contracted consultants, they will be responsible for detailed design and supervision of work for which they've been engaged in. So if we are doing a building, we need the services of a structural engineer, a mechanical engineer, the architects coordinate their work and they are solely responsible for the design that they, that, uh, that they have been engaged in. But the actors will definitely oversee and ensure that it results to it meets code, it meets the design, their design requirements, and it will also meet you know the desires of the client, ensuring that the building works in cohesion and works effectively effectively in all areas. All right. And then specialist subcontractors and suppliers. Now uh the architects can recommend specialist subcontractors. I think I've said this before, and suppliers who should design and execute any part of the work. If off the top of my head, off the top of my head, I would say some specialist subcontractors uh, could include uh, those who design for air conditioning units. So that might fall under uh, the job of the mechanical engineer. But when it comes to air handling units for uh, multi-story buildings, ones that require units to be placed on the roof and complex designs. Then we need specialists, you know, suppliers and subcontractors who deal solely in that. That is their sole expertise and not all mechanical functions of a building. Then um, we recommend to the clients to engage those professionals to help us in creating in designing that aspect for the building that would definitely work and improve the indoor air quality and indoor indoor environment of the building now the architects will not initiate or produce or proceed with any stage sorry proceed with any stage of his duties without consent by the client so if we are in the schematic stage design phase and then we are getting to the end and we are done uh, you'd would need consent from you that we are done with this aspect. Are you good? Can we move on to the next one? Client gives consent and then we move on to the design development stage. Now this is based on uh, the architect design process that I spoke about. And I told you that in different countries, they have different stages. In Ghana, it would be um, the sketch design phase, then we move on to the working drawings phase or the production drawings or what we call the the construction documents okay that will be the the next phase so when we finish the the basic design of the project and then we move on to documenting it in detail engaging structural engineers and all other consultants to do it so getting the consent is actually important and then because if doctors will not make any material you know deviation or alteration or even omit something from an approved design without again consent from the client but that will only happen where change except where changes you know in design are necessary for constructional reasons in which case you know the client will have to definitely be uh, informed without delay so in the process of probably construction and then there are issues actors will definitely he acts acts on behalf of the client. Need to make decisions quickly, which 
could cause delay so they do it but they also have to inform the client that this is what has happened this is the change that that have been made to ensure that we go at a smooth pace and continue the process the architect shall periodically supervise and inspect all works as may be necessary to ensure that they are being executed you know uh, in accordance with the contracts that has been agreed upon and constant supervision is not included in normal duties but i know some architects go above and beyond and provide constant supervision to projects to ensure that it meets their drawing documents and their requirements and everything that they've laid out for the contractor or builder and you know for works that require frequent and constant supervision then we might need to hire a clerk of works or a resident architect and this would also be need to be agreed with the client now they will be nominated or approved by the architect but would directly be under his direction and control the clerk of works would be employed by the architect and but they would who would sorry the clerk of works would be um employed by the architect who shall be reimbursed by the client from time to time so in the case where we need a clerk of works and will be employed by the architect to ensure we have constant supervision on site then the client needs to pay for the services of the clerk of works or the resident architect for that action or set of activities to take place without that there's no point in hiring the clerk of works because it doesn't fall under uh, their duties for for them to be hired but i do know in some construction companies they do also have their clerk of works but if you want you know that 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 team dynamic from the architect to ensure that it meets design for contractors might do uh, they will supervise to meet their requirements but actors need to supervise to meet their their design decisions and the documents and the details that have been put in place so if you do need that constant supervision it will be crucial and the option is there to hire or get the architect to hire a clerk of works or a resident architect but it will definitely come at a fee some people may do it hire a clerk of works for you you would have consent but would not ask for reimbursement um, for the job that they are performing on site we move on to client responsibility and the client shall provide the architect with instructions that are adequate to define the basic requirements of the program of the project and they would include the include the program and budget now these instructions are not a mandate to control the design process and the design of your project as i've said the architect is your guide in design and when you listen and provide each other with information a design worthwhile to both parties then can be created and beneficial to all parties involved now the client has to provide a detailed brief for a project and when one is not provided the architect 
shall advise the client accordingly unless maybe or unless otherwise agreed upon and then this is where the architects will need to provide uh, create a brief for you but it comes with an additional charge and shall be payable if the architect and shall be payable to the architect so as architects you're not supposed to create design briefs and i know um it might come as a bit of a shock but most architects do create design briefs and do not charge for that right it's, it's in our conditions of engage engagements that you are to write and i know when it comes to residential houses that is single family residential houses of two or three four bedrooms whatever the case is people come with a bit of brief some might not be developed up to a certain point and then the architect still has to help with that you would think it's included in let's just say the the fees that are being paid but well i can bet i think i i think it would be a safe bet to say it's not really included and most often there's no i don't really think there's a breakdown that has been given to all the services that are provided you know that the actor states probably in this invoice um design services or let's say sketch design services and then that's it what would it involve is it what are the deliverables so in that case if um sketch design and you do not have a brief there needs to be a breakdown where we, uh, to show that we are helping you or advising you on creating your design brief so that we know what exactly you want for the program and then we know the budget that would suit you so you have to come up with all these things and it really will not be it might not be suitable for you know people when it comes to architects helping to create their brief but i think when an architect helps you to diagnose the problem and then you and and find out what you need for a project is very crucial for project success without any complicated changes in the future i don't really like i don't really like doing a lot of changes i'll say i, I well I'll, let me just you not know, say i i think many people don't like doing that but it keeps on happening uh because of the i'll say because of the process that they have laid out so process is important and if you do not want that to keep occurring then you need to find or your actor needs to find a process where you then work together and if you if you listen to episode five which is command and not collaborate when we collaborate together we can create something that doesn't need any complicated changes down the line maybe during construction the construction phase or during the detailed uh, design phase where we are creating the the construction documents before bidding the bidding process or negotiation process and in this aspect the architect is kind of like a doctor so where the doctor you go to a doctor for diagnosis and prescriptions and architects do exactly that if you are willing to accept their help and i know in some cases 
it happens to most creators as well where they are not seen as people who diagnose the problem they are coming for you might say you are coming for one thing it's just like going to a doctor you say you are going for, uh, you have malaria but it's not the case the doctor then diagnoses you because he's not going to listen to you he still has to diagnose you and then prescribe medicine for you to get healed the same way you go to any creative or architect you go you tell him what the problems are or what you think the problems are he then diagnoses because and i know it's you can't it might be difficult to think about that you just go to an architect and then he you just tell him certain problems that's why he's there to guide you so as the guide he he then has to ask you specific he or she will have to ask you specific questions to be able to determine the diagnosis and then prescribe solutions which then comes out as a design now the diagnosis uh would definitely not come for free that would i would i would say it would also be included in the mm, how do you say it? the breakdown of the deliverables and the fee structure okay so but if you do not want to going back to um creating an actor creating the brief if you do not want an actor to create a brief for you then you can go to the episode on you know creating your own detailed design brief with the questions that i've laid out there and then you can be on your way but i'll say even if you do have a brief it's an extra bonus for you and the architect because then there's less a bit of less time wasted or a bit of less time that we need to get the project ongoing but you still need diagnosis just to perfect where you know the project is going to go the diagnosis i'll say is always going to be crucial it's always going to be important when basically having the talking stage with someone you're interested in so this is this is our talking stage right we the actor asks you questions you provide answers honest answers if you do if you do not provide the right questions sorry if you do not provide the right answers the architect is going to prescribe solutions to uh, the answers that you've given and at the end you say no this is not what i want you can't blame the architect even though i know that it will always come back to the architect because you say no you didn't get it right but how does the person how do you expect the person you know to get it right if you've not been forthcoming with what exactly it's is is uh, bothering you or what exactly you want you know a solution for in, in your project now the client again would bear the cost of providing all legal and survey information and in particulars that concern the site and probably adjoining sites so not probably and adjoining sites existing structures and features subsurface conditions and the provision of any legal or insurance advice that's that's been recommended by the architect and this is necessary also for the protection of the client's interest okay so it's not just done because of the architect's ego or something but it's to protect you so that advice information everything that we provide also comes as a fee just good to know the client's shall reimburse the architects for any work any work of 
any sorry any additional works that are involved or that the architect has performed for them now we did say the client involves either an individual or an organization so a client organization that's it could be made up of a corporation or a company now when they are engaging actor they would have to nominate in writing a person who has authority to issue instructions to the architect in respect of the project i'll say this is very important because it's it would be annoying when dealing with client organizations and you know the board every member of the board who has a say in the project and they are each making decisions that are affecting the completion of the project and it makes design difficult because it's creating a problem where the architect has to now deal with each and every single one of the people and then meets their design requirements and needs it's basically it's basically being a teacher and then trying to make sure that you teach each and every one of the students and they understand what's going on which if it's not a small class is very difficult a board can maybe it can be five people it can be ten but even if it's three five people it's there's still a bit of difficulty involved in that so when it comes to client organizations always best to have one person to do that job the person will definitely come to you with or will come to the board or you know the client organization with a consent and then you are directed at him and then he works with the actor but he also has the final decision you know he gives the instructions and all that he he has he has the authority and he interacts solely with the architect makes the actors work easier and definitely should make your or their work easier now in the case the client or a client is considering engaging or appointing a secondary consultant you know the engineers and conservators and all those people other than one that has been nominated by the architect the client has to um inform the architect before making any such appointment and then in the terms of appointment they, you have to include that uh you have to include this condition giving the architect authority to instruct them and coordinate their services you do not hire a secondary consultant like your structural engineer and expect to be giving them instructions. This creates a lot of conflict within the design process. The actor needs to coordinate all works of consultants, secondary consultants, and whoever is in the team. And if you are giving instructions and engaging them frequently, there comes there becomes a problem and there's no collaboration happening within the whole design team because then they think they have to listen to you and do what exactly you want but as the architect he's a coordinator of all of all design decisions of everything that is involved in the project he's the head of the table let's just say the the breadwinner but he has to he or she has to you know know what's going on and authorize them so that, that instruction has to be in writing and agreed upon with the architect if not the architect cannot work with such a secondary consultant that is if the secondary consultant is 
is part of the, the design team or the construction team and you have hired them. Now, if a client is to give secondary consultants any instructions, they have to do so through the architect. Whether you hire them or um, they were hired or nominated by the architect. And then during the contract administration or the construction stage, and then the architect issues instructions, you know, to the contractor. The client can only make alterations and changes to the contract or... Sorry, the client cannot make any alterations to the contract or give instructions to the contractor. Because this can only be done through the architect. Again, the contractor is basically not a secondary consultant. Because he's doing... He's, putting making the projects uh, is realizing the project but then again all instructions must go to the architect because the architect is an agent working for the client the architect is working for you so it becomes weird and a bit of a headache if you are directly giving instructions to the contractor i know of some instances where the contractor might engage the client and then due to maybe one or two things he may not agree with the architect you know and that makes putting some kind of you know creating an instance where the client then has to um give the contractor the mandate to make those changes or something of the sort and that shouldn't be the case if that happens, it destroys the whole process. Some actors might leave the job at that because they have, they have not been any follow of, uh, nobody has followed the chain of command, especially from the contractor side and, the, and also from the client side because in, in the agreements you know that, and it will definitely be laid out in the contract, that you are supposed to give instructions to the architect. You might not know or you might not have read the contract when you signed or agreed upon, but it should be there. And so that's what I'm saying it now. That it's all part of your responsibilities to never give instructions to the contractor directly. If you do want to do so, you do so through the architect because he's your agent. He works for you and that's everything on your behalf. And that way everything is documented in writing involving, involving the project and everything can also be traced. So if a problem comes up, let's just say you, as a client, you give instruction to the contractor and a problem comes up. The architect does not know what happened. He sees that this problem causes another problem and it might snowball to something that makes the whole project a disaster. How then do you solve that, that problem? When, when you give the instruction, or the contractor engaged you to give that instruction because there was no foresight as to what might happen. That's what I've said before. Architects are the visionaries in a project. They try and see, they do their very best to see what is possible and what might happen, what might go wrong, what might not go wrong. There are instances where nothing will be seen, but then still as the problem solvers, they definitely find a way to do just that because that's how the training that's what their training have, has done for them and has, and has equipped them 
with the necessary tools to do all that. And you know, when there's any agreement between a client and an architect, it can be terminated on on the expiration of um, reasonable notice when reasonable notice has been given in writing. Uh, but the architect shall be entitled to remunerations in accordance with provision under partial service. So I'm, I'm sure in agreement there will be partial service, a partial service section where the architect will be paid for works done before termination of contract by either the client or the architect. And I think that's simple enough and that's fair because if anybody terminates the contract, still needs to be paid for the work that has been done up to that point. Now, under, under remuneration in the conditions of engagement, the a member of the GI has to uphold, you know, the scale of professional charges with the architect's payment, and it shall be in accordance with the scale of charges that has, uh, unless a higher charge is agreed with the client. So, the scale of professional fees has been provided. And when it comes to the payment and the scale, the sorry, the fee structure and the scale of charges, everything will be in accordance with what has been provided, unless a higher fee charge has been agreed with the client, and that certainly can happen. The scale of fees does not include, um, does not include remuneration for works carried out by secondary consultants. That is. Quantity surveyors, civil structure, mechanical, electrical engineers, and you know all their their works are being, are being performed by any other of the consultants. I think this one most people might not agree with, but that is how it is. You do not the payments you make to the architects are not do not include uh, works done by. The engineers and the surveyors who also execute their work. So in this regard, architects might employ them to do their professional works in which they are experts in. But you still have to pay them. So that is given, that payment is definitely made through the architect uh, for their services. And then if any work is performed by the architect's own professional staff, the fees will be charged according to the appropriate recognized professional body. This means that if you take, for instance, I, I have a staff of quantity surveyors and structural engineers, a structural engineer, mechanical engineer, and whatnot, you'd also pay for the services of those consultants, even though they are under, they are part of my professional staff, and then you pay them according to their professional body. But then again, that would also be included in the fee structure and the breakdown uh, of 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 the in in the proposal, right? The fee proposal for all services to be rendered, and which also includes the deliverables. And so, if services of more than one profession are provided by a single firm the fee shall be the same as such services that are provided independently two architecture firms coming together 
to perform a single project. An example would be if one, an architect from Perkins, an architect from Perkins and Will, or let's just say Perkins and Will, an architecture firm based in the United States of America, where, you know, they were hired to do the rich hospital. And then they need a Ghanaian architect to act and work on their behalf and also work together with them. So when those two firms come together to work on this single project, which is the rich hospital, the fees are not, two different sorts of fees are not paid. You just pay them as one. And they will definitely agree upon how much this firm gets and how much this firm gets. Definitely, the let's just say the Ghanaian firm will get a portion of the fees because they are assisting Perkins and Will in the design and in the construction of, of this hospital according to the regulations that have been laid out in um, the Ghana build the Ghana code the Ghana building code and regulations. Uh, let's move on. Let's move on to copyrights. In accordance to the Copyright Act of our Constitution, uh, the copyrights, all drawings and work executed uh, from architects still remain the property of the architect and the clients would definitely not be entitled either directly or indirectly to the drawings. And also they they shall not or should not be able to make use of such drawings without the prior approval of the architect. This will definitely also this approval will also have to come in writing. So if you are a developer and you are you need to advertise your buildings, your upcoming buildings using plants you know, in, advertise, in advertisement circles, social media, television, brochures, whatever, you still need approval and permission from the architect to use his or her drawings for that purpose. You cannot just do so without their permission. If not, you know, I don't know how many times people sue in Ghana, but let's just say you can be sued for that. That also would take off a chunk of money from your pocket and eat into your profits. So just just saying a way to the wise is, is enough. But and you know the GIA the the GIA has left us with you know these conditions of engagement. Okay, and then if if any issue that has to re, uh, any issue regarding scale of professional fees, differences, disputes you know, disputes between parties, that is architects and uh, clients, and it cannot be determined. Uh, they've provided a, a condition that everything can be referred to them um, for arbitration and interpretation and, you know, also for advice so that everything would go smoothly between parties and there are not any issues that come about. So when it comes to interpretation of these conditions of engagement and there's no understanding between them. It can be referred to the Ghana Institute of Architects and it will definitely help out. Now, the conditions of engagement have been provided to guide the clients and architects, right? As they are 
as to their roles, responsibilities, and then authority that have been, that are concerning the business architecture in Ghana. Uh, with this, I think we can begin to understand the scale of professional fees and all the many duties of an architect in, in realizing a well-meaning project that will definitely be beneficial to everybody in the society, not just the client and the architect. And I do hope that this can really bring you to understand why uh, when fees are requested and do definitely may seem high, it's not because architects are driven by it or the need to gain money, but is needed to perform all the duties and responsibilities that we have been trained to do. And with that, let me leave you with this from Stephen Gardner. Good buildings come from good people and all problems are solved by good design.